welcome to episode 88 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Connor number five, and my fellow host wishes he had the future site to pick an apartment with better internet options, Big Tuck. <laughs> hey, kids! Big Tuck coming in from Nona. Uh, trying to do my shock jock impression there. So, uh, not only do I think there's some internet problems, I've either completely lost my mind or need to go see the prescription doctor again for brain and or eye function. I'm not convinced that my entire apartment isn't slightly tilted to the left. <laughs> now, what? it could be it could, it could be that I've only been taking my brain medication once, but I noticed that when I took a picture of my TV and someone was like, wait, why is that tilted to the left? And then today's culprit was when I was cooking on each one of the pot on each one of the, the burners on the top of the stove, every single one of them was down and to the left. So you so, think it's sloping downwards to the left, or you think that the walls are all weirdly angled to the left? I'm not sure. I haven't. I, I need to do some more research. Um, and or are you physically having issues? Can you taste correctly? Can you see correctly? Well, I thought so. I bought. A, I got a new chair as well. And like this one time when I bought a chair, it wasn't designed right, so it tilted left, and I thought I was going insane. So I had like the same issues with this new chair that I got, but I think I had a friend of the show, Scooty Shuffle, sitting it, and he says that's not the case. So, you know, maybe I'm just getting used to it. But what I'm also getting used to is this delicious Hop Cakes Imperial IPA from Noda, the neighborhood I live in, brewing company. Uh, oh, I was really Mr. hoping you were going to say Rock Creek Brewing. Mr. Com, no, I will. T you can ship those to me. Mr. Com, I am wearing my Rock Creek Brewing hat and drinking out my Rock Creek Brewing glass. Wonderful. Right. Wonderful. So, Mr. Combo, I thought you would get enjoyed this, uh, this description here. Pour yourself a stack of Imperial IPA goodness soaked in lots and lots of delicious Vermont maple syrup. Then put down your axe, loosen your suspenders, and enjoy sweet citrus hops and resin flavors in this special release treat. Enjoy immediately, do not sell her, and feel free to come back for seconds. And I'll tell you what, Noda, uh, I think I might just do that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's an adjustment here. It's an adjustment uh, lifestyle, adjustment age group. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is uh, I took home the victory in the virtual uh, apartment trivia last night. And I got first out of three contestants. So feel pretty good about that. <laughs> uh, but Mr. That's been my exciting life in the four days since we last spoke. Mr. Combo, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, as, as the collective has kind of heard, I, I, you know, have, we'll just call them challenges uh, with my work environment. Yes. Uh, not, not going to dive into that, but the uh, straw they finally broke this walrus is back. No and, way. Uh, I, I'm doing a change. Uh, I, you know, I've been wanting to hold out for a leadership position to get back to kind of where I was, where I want to be for a career track. But um, it's such a toxic work environment now, just specifically this team, not the company I work for. Um, and so, you know, I, I told my boss uh, yesterday, like, hey, uh, you're not going to like it, but I'm moving on. I'm finding a different job uh, internally. Uh, I'm going to start applying. Uh, wow. I do. I refuse to work with this group any longer. Longer. Um, so he said he's going to try to, you know, figure it out. He doesn't want to lose me, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah. mm -hmm. started kind of the process today. Look, saw some openings internally. Have talked with some people that are in those roles currently uh, just to kind of get a gauge, see how it is. I'm trying to there, there is actually a leadership position open and I'm trying to use some of my uh, VP connections to see if any of them know this particular VP that's hiring. Uh, just, uh, you know, see if they can put in a good word for me or, or give me a temperature check on them. Um, wow. But yeah, that's been the biggest news. I'd probably that's say. awesome, oh, man! Congratulations. 
Uh, I don't know if it's congrats. I kind of wanted to hold on and make a whole lot of money because I got a lot of stuff lined up, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's not worth it at this point. Um, and then, of course, the only other news is me and the fiance are fostering a now it will be a ten or eleven week old mastiff mix puppy her name is audrey absolutely adorable so if any of the collective want to adopt her please reach out we want to give her a loving home i will Uh, say this i'm not i i am not i'm not a dog guy as people are well aware of but i will say that that little ginger mutt is a little baby bubble dog and it is quite cute yeah, it's uh, I think it's probably Tuck's favorite animal uh, because in great segue into our guest that's here this episode, Sheldon Minery, the godfather of EDH, uh, Big Tuck is obsessed with like fat, fluffy animals. Yeah, and this puppy <laughs> has so much skin wrinkles on her that it's just like her face is just squished and fat it's, and it's adorable uh I, her butt she likes to stand up on like and like peer over the couch and oh, so I like that of course like dogs don't have real butts and so it's just flat down but it's just wrinkly and so it looks like she has like this wrinkly old man butt it's absolutely adorable i thought there was but, a lot uh, of different ways you're going to take that obsession and then follow in with the with the adjectives and i was like is this going to be uh <laughs> is this going down a dark path here Nope, nope. A very light and beautiful path. Unless it was. It was very, pl- it was very pleasant. Uh, Sheldon, great to have you on Bruise and Builds again. It's been about 15 months since we've had you on. How's life been? Give the collective a little insight to what's going on with Sheldon. Uh, well, the last time was I was on was right after I left Wizards of the Coast. Um, and that was, uh, that was quite a time to... To, to say something. Um, I mean, in the interim, basically I've been steering commander, hopefully in the right direction, and uh, battling cancer. And, uh, you know, when I was first diagnosed, uh, I asked the I asked the oncologist, and I'm like, what are my five-year survival look like? And he said, the odds aren't good. And oh, no. we're now at the four-and-a-half-year point and odds can get bent. Yeah! There we go. Way to go. Hey, That's hey. wonderful to hear. You know what we gotta do is we got collective, we gotta get Sheldon a t-shirt that says, don't tell me the odds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, never, tell, yeah, never tell me the odds. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that, that that's great to hear from a health perspective. Um, and from even a, a magic perspective. So obviously, you know, we, we always want to give uh, our guests a platform for their plugs and stuff, which honestly, I think we can do plugs at the end. What I'd like you to do now, Sheldon, is if you just want to have an open mic, uh, take a few minutes and just kind of give a state of health of EDH, how you, the RC, the CAG, um, how do you guys feel EDH is looking today? And how does it's maybe two to five year projection look uh, from what you guys are seeing um, done. Uh, do you want me to just go read from my Star City article of about a month ago? <laughs> that's, Please, that's easy. Word for word. word now wait, now, word. Here's a, now here's a real question. Is that or is that not behind a payroll, paywall at this point? It is not. As a matter of fact, uh, I waited. I, I, I knew that we were going to back to the premium and select model and that commander content was going to be on the, the free side. Ooh. And I intentionally waited to publish the state of the format article until it would be free. 
Oh, that is great. Also, follow-up question from the news from Tuesday. If you were to read said article out loud on this cast, could I release it as an audio article? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Fair answer. Fair answer. I'll take that. I'll take it. I would would think not. Probably Um, not. So hey, no, I gotta that's try. great to hear. I gotta try. Uh, it, it, it's it's good to see that money and fame hasn't blinded you to us peons that can't pay for dollar ninety nine a month or whatever it is. So uh, everyone, go check out that article. Get a state of the health. Uh, and yeah, of course, let 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 Sheldon know what what you think. And uh, I think that's one of the things that I will say before we kind of uh, move on uh, through the episode is. I do want to say thank you to you, the RC and the CAG, for being as open as you guys can be to community feedback. I know sometimes mm-hmm. you get uh, people like myself that have good takes and then they most of the time have really terrible takes that you guys hate, but you guys are always nice about it, which is fantastic. Uh, even, even when people get sassy and you know, I definitely see threads and read articles and so I, I do think it's amazing that you guys do keep such a open dialogue with the community so i think that's honestly probably why uh edh is uh at the growth that it's experiencing right now edh is almost like dogecoin we're just we're going to the moon yeah exactly <laughs> I'm it's hoping, a bad I'm day like, to talk about dogecoin it did not it did not go to the moon today. no no it didn't i'm, I'm hoping i'm hoping that the commander and edh prices will also follow suit so i can actually get back to building decks again <laughs> So just buying pre-cons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think we're in the healthiest place we've ever been, but that doesn't mean that everything is perfect. Um, mm. What what I think that the last year and change of predominantly webcam play has brought us is opening ourselves to new experiences and having actual conversations with people before we play games. Uh, and I, I'd like... I, I think that we're better about that than we ever were. Again, uh, I don't know if it's causal or correlative, but I think that we've seen that that um, that change in the community. That you know, maybe it was that there were so many other bad things happening that Commander was a good thing, and people wanted to keep it a good thing, uh, or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But we're in a place where. We can we we recognize that there are a lot of people playing the format, and some of them like it in different fashions than we do, and that's okay, right? They're from the the highest powered end to the the battle cruiseriest end. That we we're all just enjoying the format, and all we need to do is find a few people that we that enjoy it in the same fashion that we do to sit down and play it with. That's a. I love that script. That was really. That was really pleasant. That is. That was just very pleasant. <laughs> you got to remember that, especially on the internet, when somebody is being a complete shit bird, that's about them, not about you. <laughs> great, great term, shit bird. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're, unless Rolling your name is Big Tuck, then it is in fact your problem. <laughs> Big Tuck, you're not on the internet. That's, yeah, that's true. true. I'm decidedly not. I'm work. decidedly not on the internet. I think that was a. Um, that was a term from the cop shows in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. 
Well, whatever it, whatever it's from, it needs to stick around. Put your, put your ass on the wall, shit bird. <laughs> <laughs> but sir, wouldn't you want my uh, hands and chest against the wall? Why do I put my ass against the wall? I've seen. I've, you, you just got shot by your own perp. No, 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 no. Oh, his butt man. was. So, he had a. It was a. It was a big guy, big butt. Who knows what he's hiding in there? What? Maybe a sandwich. I could go for a sandwich. Well, hey guys, thanks for tuning into the episode. And as always, with that Manolith commentary, is Squee McGee from the Rich Chaos Record Studio. Hello, Squee. Hello, everybody. How's everybody Hello. doing? I hope y'all are doing all right. It, it's wonderful to have the the Godfather, the one, the only himself here. I would actually like to take this time just to say a quick thank you to you, Sheldon. Um, I, as a backstory, played Magic for quite some time in middle school, early high school late 90s early thousands that that range had a lot of cards played a ton i mean after school every day a couple hours uh we had four or five six seven of us that would play trade back and forth we would do our best to convince our parents to drive us to said magic store the only magic store in all of the land collector's cash at the time which was about the size of my bathroom actually it really had no space we played a tournament they had one table but I stopped playing for 15-ish years until uh, Mr. Combo told me about EDH. And he said, hey, there's a new format. It's multiplayer. Outside of two, it is more of a social format. It's singleton, all of that. And that got me back into Magic, which has led me here today. So, praise be to thee. Uh, <laughs> and not to insert myself in this, but we all remember it was it was your old hometown hero, Big Tuck, who potentially inadvertently got Mr. Combo back into the format. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a trickle the, down the, economics, as they call it. The, the multiple chain of events <laughs> there, but but I do appreciate all the work that you put into Magic to to bring into a new format that that I I really enjoy playing commander i really really do i i had kind of fallen out of the 1v1 and that type of stuff and this was just a complete reimagination it got my juices turning again where i could build new decks and new new things so i'll leave it at that thank you very much i appreciate what you've put into it i appreciate all the work that you have continued to do and it has meant a lot to me even being a part of magic still uh, thanks for I, I mean i really appreciate you saying so but what I heard there is that I should expect a royalty check be, to be coming my way. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Of yeah. No, if anything, Sheldon, you owe me some money because of all the, <laughs> you showed, you invented this amazing format and it is just, I've just put thousands, <laughs> thousands of dollars, of into dollars this thing. later. <laughs> Here he is. Also, also, it's hard to have a royalty check of zero. So there's not much to, to be out of zero dollars. Uh, yeah. Also for your royalty check from being on the cast, you're going to have to firm, pitch in about 50 bucks. A firm, a firm, a firm hand, I think you'll have to settle for a firm handshake if we to meet in person <laughs> guys i mean let, let, let's let, let, let's be more professional here we'll send you a buy one get one free coupon to mcdonald's okay <laughs> now now we're talking hey, we're, we're gonna splurge a little bit this squeak coin it's got your name on it it's coming to you let's go to the moon <laughs> well squeak coin well, might dogecoin i think not. the time since i've eaten at a mcdonald's is nearly old enough to drink what? Wow! Really? <laughs> I guess I guess when you're drinking nice uh, nice alcohol, you don't have hangovers that can only be solved by the golden arches. <laughs> the golden arches. <laughs> yeah, about the. One I, mean, guy. I, I don't eat much fast food. Five guys, 
Um, yeah, Five Guys is about it. Five Guys is good. I, I, you, I got, okay. Well, I guess I would say I do have beef with that, but not in a bad way. I just like their beef. Yep. Do you have, what's your, what's your, and we can move on after this, but would you call Chipotle away fast food? Yes. Okay. I mean, it is food and you get it quite fast. Okay, right, that's not fair. Applebee's isn't fast food. That's a high quality restaurant right uh, there. Also, to Mr. Combo, your point, one of the questions last night was what's the largest dine-in chain in the world? And it was Applebee's. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, crazy, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a fact. I don't know. I guess there's not much to discuss. <laughs> I, I just saw Sheldon's face and he looked so perplexed. Like he wanted to say no. <laughs> it's well, like, it's, 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 I, it's, I thought it's about he's dine in, uh, and Subway isn't a dine in restaurant. So yeah, yeah. I was going to say because Subway has the most physical locations on the planet. Really? Uh, okay. And you know, Sheldon, with, with most of us being from Kansas City, uh, I drive all over Kansas, and literally every small town, every gas station has a Subway. Um, I call okay, yeah, here. Yeah. You can dine in at any subway. So that's so that's also you can also carry out, but you can also carry out at any Applebee's. So what's the beef? That also threw Where's me for a loop because I didn't work? see I didn't Rose, see an Applebee's. We didn't, we didn't <laughs> I didn't. I did not see an Applebee's when I was in China, but I did see a Pizza Hut, and people would wear like suits to it. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, which is wild. But anyways, I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if you want to know more ways to support the CMD Tower team, Sheldon's uh, non-existent royalties from the CMD Tower team, and our need oh, they're for very existent. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a request for payment here soon. <laughs> Plus, all the content we put out, head over to our sponsor, level1gameshop.com. Uh, they do tabletop accessories, board games. Uh, hopefully, we'll have live events soon to start doing the uh, CMD Tower yeah, takeovers yeah. there. Uh, really, anything you need from a Magic the Gathering board game or other trading card game perspective they can help you out they're the ones that do the monthly giveaway so you should definitely go support them if possible um if you would actually like to help us out financially though so we can continue to invest back into you with new equipment most noticeably getting tuck a microphone that sounds like he's not talking from a bullhorn um and getting you guys more <laughs> swag head over to patreon.com slash cmd tower we have four different tiers from just a buck a month you can get in with deck therapy uh you can get in for the monthly giveaways from level one, additional entries per se, all the way up to getting play mats, mat sleeves. Uh, we have monarch tokens. Uh, we have everything you need from a gaming perspective. Plus, we also have introduced an awesome referral program. So if you are a patron and maybe someone at your LGS is like, hey, that seems kind of cool. Or one of your friends, you suckered into EDH with a pre-con. So now they will to be thousands of dollars in debt. Uh, within a matter of months, the way the market's going, uh, we are giving you referral prizes. So if you get someone to join, join the dollar discord, we'll sign any card you want. And even delicious bordered guy's cradle, delicious, oh, God, delicious, oh, gold yes. cradles. Oh. I'm oh, going to I've... take a video of <sighs> you signing that card. It was so painful. I legitimately hurt my shoulder blades uh, all the way up to we may even give you guys free sleeves, free tokens, a whole bunch of stuff. Because once again, the goal for 2021 is get this stuff out of Mr. Combo's basement. Uh, and another way you guys can do that is to head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. We do sell everything on there. Uh, place an order. If you want a limerick, put it in the notes. 
If you want mm. uh, Squee to bless it with his holiness, he can do that I as well. I am a reverend. Uh, this this is qualified. I, I'm a legit in real life reverend at two different churches. So if, if you do is want to be like blessed. Is one like the Church of the Hot Dogs or something? Uh, uh, church of Bacon. Bacon? And then, yeah. Uh, oh, bacon. Uh, also the, the Life Church. But uh, whatever you prefer. Whatever you want. But it can be blessed. I can't tell you... If my morals are properly aligned with what you're wanting it to be blessed by, but I'll do my best. <laughs> and then, of course, guys, if you guys can't help out financially, just literally share the content you're already watching and listening to, because every little bit of interaction from the collective does help grow the CMD Tower reach, because we're here to infect everyone. Oh, and of course, no. every episode, big shout out to Pink Royal for the music you guys provided at the beginning and the end. And T-Coats, our video editor T-Coats on Twitter. Uh, go hit up Tyler. He does an amazing job doing these YouTube videos for you guys. So please go watch them because it lets him know that it's worth the time and energy he puts in. But also leave notes, leave comments, send us messages. Let us know how we can improve the video content to what you guys want. So Brews and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path of 32, we have moved on to the endless themes that EDH can bring us. Each month will be a new theme and we correlate how these decks are constructed similar to how a beer is brewed. So we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board state. We call that grain. And grains are the foundation of a beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts. They're usually in a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of a beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. And then how does your board interact with everyone else? Hands, boards, graveyards? Just how do you gauge with your opponents? We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish subcategories like IPAs. Our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can ultimately do what it wants. And then, of course, my favorite... I struggled a little bit looking at the deck, so I can't <laughs> wait to talk to Sheldon about how this deck is going to close out and win. We call that yeast. And yeasts are microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. That's alcohol content and the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. Without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have what I would like to believe, and Sheldon, don't correct me, please, what EDH was designed and made around. We have shenanigans, <laughs> pet card synergies that are in the deck that are just kind of fun and silly. We call that spice. And not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into a jalapeno stout or the addition of hops that turn an IPA into a double IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it. And then to seal the episode, we're going to have a bottle capping. There's going to be Sheldon's, Big Tucks, and I's cuts and adds to the deck that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and then a no-budget-to-the-moon limit. The only restriction is we can't talk about those mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. We are wrapping up April with Death and Taxes Month with the godfather of not HDF, Half Dragon Flatlander, but of Elder Hatchup. Dragon Highlander, Sheldon Minery, and his, hopefully I pronounce this correct, Mariki Repo Specialist deck. Did I say her name right, Sheldon? Mariki Ribery. Ah, there nice. we go. <laughs> Love so, it. Uh, Big Tuck, why don't you read her CMC, what she does in her power and toughness and then sheldon why don't you give us a, a little overview of how you designed the deck and uh the overall concept 
<clears throat> Mariki is an old school commander costing Esper, which is a white, blue, black. She's a legendary creature human. That's a 1-1. One, one. Mariki does not untap during your untap step, and then she can tap, gain control of target creature as long as you control Mariki. When Mariki leaves play or becomes untapped, destroy that creature. It cannot be regenerated. So Mariki was an, is an old school card. Comes from Ice Age. Uh, and I knew about it back then, but what caused me to, to create the deck was when it came out in Future Sight as one of the... I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not Future Sight, in Time Spiral as one of the time-shifted cards. So, uh, like, early days of the format, definitely in the 2000s, and uh, I was like, what can I do? And, you know, the, the deck is basically about threatening to take people's creatures with Mariki to give you the time to get to your win cons. Initially, the deck was different. Now, uh, I, I, there was a shift sometime around Dragons of Tarkir to, to change the, the creature base. But yeah, I mean the whole the whole thing was like uh, people play really good creatures in Commander. <laughs> I would like to borrow them. That's uh, definitely how the deck uh, comes off, and it, and it was funny, guys, because Sheldon and I were kind of chatting, and I was like, "Hey, here's the theme," and Sheldon's like, "I don't really have Death and Taxes, man. You know, here's kind of a list. <laughs> Let me know what you think." And you know, I sent Tuck a few ideas, um, and we both landed on Marik, and then. Uh, once I actually started kind of diving into the deck, we started kind of putting it into the categories. This deck is 100% a death and taxes deck from the aspect of what happens if you don't pay the tax man? Well, they repo yeah. your shit. Well, what does Marik do? She takes your crap. You you bet you got to you got to pay a toll. <coughs> what the toll is, she won't tell us because as soon as she leaves, she destroys your stuff. She's like a very vengeful ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend. I, uh, I was going to say, I was going to make the comment that I, when you originally were saying like, well, we're, I'm not sure if this fit the pattern. And I was like, well, in that case, it does fit the pattern because clearly none of our decks have fit the theme either. So here we are. Oh, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> so M- Marik is a very cool commander. I love the concept. Um, I love old school art, old school cards. Uh, so that just like checks all the boxes. Um, you know, we, we had a uh, friend uh called rafi that was one of the uh, uh originals that squee mcgee used to play with back in middle school and i played a little bit in high school when, when he used to play commander he actually did a marik deck um and it was very I, gross i, I very, own that very card you're talking about yep and it was very filthy it was very gross so i'm excited to really dive into it i did see a sub theme of flying in the deck not to spoil anything how did you kind of settle on a sub theme of flying? It just it it didn't seem to really tie into what she does. No, and um, sometimes, uh, especially when you have a lot of decks, uh, a theme will strike you, but you don't necessarily want to build a new deck out of it. Mm. And uh, I, I like to look a lot for the 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 road not taken. Uh, I, you know, I want to. I, I don't want to build the same two lane deck that everybody is building or mm-hmm. uh, the same Golos deck that everybody's building. You know, I want to try to find uh, a, a path that's 
not many people have walked on. And I'm pretty sure it was it was some of the cards in Dragons of Tarkir that got me uh, to to shift the creature base of the deck. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. Tuck, any thoughts? No, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. You kind of hit the nail on the head. I I, I think with, when you're looking at the yeast. Um, you know, I, I kind of understand how it wins. Um, there's definitely some cards that are interesting here, and I do like this like legendary dragon sub theme. So, it definitely seems like a deck that would be fun to play. I'm a big fan of the 75% decks in the sense that the 75% best cards are probably your opponents. So, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to hear about some of the uh, some of the options in here and, and some of the choices. I will. I will also note that that. The Godfather himself has a, has a weatherlight mentality, so just run with that, everybody. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole idea for me uh, in playing Commander is that I want me and my brain to win the game, not my cards. Ooh, and, oh, okay. And you know, a lot of times it's just plop, I win. Whether that's you know tooth and nail for my contrike or a you know blood bond combo or whatever. It, to, to me, that's super boring because yeah. you're not actually doing anything. Preach! Plop I win would make a great playmat too. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're not uh, you're not sort of stretching the boundaries of your skills, um, and even some very high power decks. Uh, you know, people say that they're skill intensive, and they're really not. You know, maybe the skill is you have to know when to make your move or uh to, mm -hmm. you know what what to counter when but for the most part it's just search up your combo and to me that's just that's that's pretty boring magic and it's it's more self-focused instead of group focused and agree there yeah for sure and i want to i want to build decks that that play with the people that i'm in the game with and uh, you know, interacting with their board states is one of those ways. No, that makes sense. So one of the things that we always like to do is go over some of the deck statistics, you know, to be able to get this deck, uh, not in exactly the version that Sheldon has, uh, just more copy and paste it from Architect, because Architect sucks, but also so does <laughs> Tapped Out, so I'm kind of stuck one half a dozen. Uh, but you could get this deck for around a grand. Up <laughs> Searching to for opportunities, bucks. we'll say. Yeah. Um, from a uh, C, uh, from a CMC perspective, you're coming in right at a four two nine. So if if you could just take like thirty seconds, does this deck? And usually Esper is not a go quick colors because usually right. you need green for the ramp. But how do you feel like your deck? Does it play on curve? Does it? Is it a slower deck to where you do have to maybe engage your politics a little bit more early game to yeah. kind of defer people? It's definitely slower, and the the grain here is play Mariki on turn two or turn three. Um, and actually, I don't think there's a way to play it on turn two. Play Mariki on turn three, and then that sets up a tension for the board state, mm. right? You know, people are going to probably play their utility creatures. Nobody's going to nobody's going to not play Sakura Tribe Elder because Marinki's out, right? <laughs> right, right. But they're they're going to have to think about what they play because there's two things that can happen: can steal it with Mariki and bash them with it, 
or I can use one of the ways that's are that's in the deck to untap Mariki, which then destroys the creature. Yep. So there's you know there's there's two possible outcomes here uh, for them, generally not good. So they really have to think about the early you know the turn three turn four creatures that they're going to put out on the board. Yeah, it's something that Tuck and I talk about a lot where we love modal cards, not necessarily dual faced, but cards that give you choices. And we love even more when there are modal cards for your opponents, knowing, you know, like a tent with discovery is, hey, I'm doing this and here's what I'm gonna do. You have a choice. I'm not taxing you like a smothering type, for example, you have a choice, you can do it or not, but that's on you. And that's something that's really fun about Commander. Yeah, um, I, I certainly like to get into, I like to get into the other players' heads a little bit. And- Yes. I'm in, I'm in, your, I'm in your brain. <laughs> and really think about it. And, um, you know, when you, especially when you play with players regularly, you pick up their tells and you pick up their habits. And, mm. um, and having cards, Having cards that interact, you know, not just with the board state, but with the player uh, intellectually are really compelling to me. Gotcha. Um, and I think the last deck stat, and this is something that Tuck and I have started doing in the last year and a half that we've been doing this, uh, this channel, is looking at our distribution of mana to the pips. And it looks like you're a little light mana-wise on your planes versus how many white pips you have in the deck. So something we always ask is, has it ever bit you in the butt <laughs> not having enough white producing mana in the deck because of how many cards need white? I imagine it probably has, but certainly not memorably so. Okay. Well, that's good. As long as it's not memorable, because I mean, I've definitely had games where it's been oh, memorable. Yeah. Like I couldn't get a mountain to save my <laughs> life. Literally my Animar deck, that is the issue I have in that deck. Uh, <laughs> nine times out of 10, I never get a mountain, even though there's plenty in there, I feel like. So, all right. Well, uh, I think that's good. Let's dive into this and start with the grain section. Sheldon, we always like to start with our guests. When building a Marik deck, what is the first grain card you would recommend for someone to put in establishing your board is about again getting mariki out early uh and then threatening other action you know the players playing blue you know the players playing white you know the players playing black so slowing down other people's development even sort of emotionally is <laughs> is enough to establish the board state after Mariki out, then you're playing the other um, artifacts in the deck, like the Mage Rite Stone or the um, Thousand Year Elixir, which is especially good with her uh, because you can untap her. And after you play Mariki, establishing the board is is that, and then threatening action thereafter. Whether it's a you know whether it's a board wipe. Uh, whether it's a, a targeted spell or anything like that. Because uh, they often are going to assume that you're playing some cards that you're not. For example, there's no Swords of Plowshares or Path to Exile in this deck. Yeah, that, I did I did find that interesting. Yeah, and I, could, I guess I could see how getting Mariki down like as soon as possible is like you're establishing, is like you kind of described in the beginning. It's the... Uh, forcing your opponents to start. And, and I think that's where Mariki is almost kind of a modal card herself to where 
on one on one side of the coin actually gosh he's all three on one side <laughs> of, the tri of the pyramid uh you could be taking a birds of paradise that helps you ramp that helps you accelerate your board and decelerate your opponents which could kind of be a hops because you're impacting their board but then it could also be a yeast because you're taking their uh ulamog or something ridiculous like that so uh, i can see getting her down as soon as possible being a very impactful thing yeah and then inter interacting with the opponents is, you know, it is sort of the next phase. You want them to do stuff so that you can do other stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. Going to my first grain card, uh, I am a ho-ho for Planeswalkers. So, of course, you had one in here and I had to do it. Because uh, Liliana of the Dark Realms. Oh, my God. It's so such a good. great card. <laughs> Um, and it's honestly better than I remember it being because I only run it in one deck, my mono black Shirai deck. So Liliana of the Dark Realms, two colorless black black. It's a Planeswalker Liliana from M14. It's a mythic with three loyalty. It has three activated abilities. Plus one, search your library for a swamp card. A swamp card. One more. Hey, sorry. Hey, Mr. Hey, Mr. Combo. Sorry. I think it's internet. What is it? It's a basic swamp, right? Is that what it is? You know what, Tuck? Surprisingly, it's not. It's just a swamp card. Boom. So if you have underground C, you could just go get an underground C. <laughs> Um, and put it into your hand and shuffle your library. That's obviously the big reason I believe this is a humongous grain, especially in more than two color decks because mm -hmm. color fixing is a thing. Like I was quizzing uh, Sheldon on earlier, like, are you sure you you know, have enough white? Has it ever kind of messed you over? Well, with stuff like this, you can just go get your scrub land and that solves your white problem with your mono black card. Uh, of course, uh, this is a modal thing as well, minus three. Target creature gets plus S plus X or minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of swamps you control. I think that's I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't have a uh, Urborg Tomb of Yogmoth in here, so you know, nothing disgusting that you're gonna do with this, but you know, it might minus three, minus three, or minus five, or plus five. So there's a little bit of flexibility there. Um the minus six though is amazing. I don't believe I saw an X spell in the deck, but he does get an emblem with Swamps You Control have tap add four black to your mana pool. Um, yeah, obviously it's, it's I just gushed about the card of why I think it's a green. Um, you know, Sheldon uh, has this card the way I made it sound. Has it done the work you need it to in games? Yeah, I mean, I don't recall ever using the minus three ability. It's always about the plus one and the emblem. Uh, so I think in the ancient days, there was an exsanguinate in here. Oh, okay. it's just like a way to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for, for the most part, making that mana is then about casting those big creatures later on. Duck, what do you think? No, it's incredible. Um, I think we've talked about this card once or twice before. And I mean, it's like one of the most consistent ways to to ramp in in black um the thing that sucks about it is that this card is just crept up crept up crept up twenty dollars for this which is i mean it's it's emblematic of the card obviously but it's just it's just so funny where i used to i think i used to pay six dollars for this and i was like that seems like a lot <laughs> but that's just, that's just the world yeah i yeah it's really good um especially when you have you know, um, two quarters of the deck's budget in the uh, in the land section. 
<laughs> That's what you need, man. Lands are expensive. Oh, All great. right, Big Tuck. Well, what is your first grain? So I this one is more of... I, I want to open the floor for a debate on this one. So I can't tell if this card's good, and I still can't to this day, but it's a sphere. And it's not a sphere at the bottom of the ocean, a la the movie sphere, but a sphere from the Armorilla area. Mm. So Armorilla area sphere, two colorless for an artifact. Uh, it's a common for about 10 cents. Two tap, sack Armorilla sphere, search library for up to two basic land cards, reveal them, then put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Um, I know there's been a lot of speculation in terms of the RNG of oh. how this works. Oh, yep. I was about so, to say, what, what, what is your voice? So before we get into that, I am actually in the process of building a program that I can run that computes non-Google RNG. So I was working <laughs> wow. on it this afternoon and building it. It's pretty easy, but I think I, I almost figured it out. So um, <clears throat> today we are sticking with, wow. Oh my God, no way. Uh, right off the tail, this is read from Liliana herself, for those playing the home game, uh, Miss Jolie from Beowulf, which if I remember correctly, goes a little something like this. The mysterious purpose of two of the rings has eluded Esper mages until now. I kind of it's been look at that Sheldon yeah, with the Vorthos uh, over here with Esper mages flavor text. It's in an Esper deck. Man, that's some dedication. It all, it all worked. It all so, works. So I'm gonna. I, if you guys could see me, I'm gonna twist my chair around and sit and do it backwards like a substitute teacher trying too hard. Um, now let's rap about this card. Is it good? Because this is a, something that I've run into a lot of these sort of decks. Um, where they don't have green, they don't have a lot of things out of the, outside of artifact ramp. And recently I got burned on it like six times in the, um, I got like burned six times with this in our boxing league, Mr. Combo, when I thought this was gonna be a slam dunk and it was decidedly not. So I, I would obviously, in these colors, you're looking for all the ramp that you can. Getting cards to your hand is good. Playing basics is good as well. What's the kind of feel in the room on, on the value prop of this card? Sheldon, I'll let you answer first. Remember that this deck was built before 2010. Oh, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> so there are, there are things that are left over from back then. And back so do you, not think that this card, do, do you not think that this card holds up? Back then, when Larry's here was really good. I don't think that this card holds up. Yeah, I mean, I think I would almost rather rather run Thematic Compass than this. Uh, that just Ooh, seems yeah. inherently better. Uh, granted, it's not ten cents, so from a budget <laughs> perspective, that's a little different. But yeah, I mean, I th I think seeing how Sheldon's kind of constructed the deck, even one of the cards in his spice package, Armillary Sphere could be a card that helps mm. deck thin helps um you know gives him recur options i mean we do have what 13 17 basic lands in the deck so in theory that could be something that gets used late game i'm going to recur it i'm going to crack it i'm going to thin the deck i'm going to recur it i'm going to crack it i'm going to thin the deck um it almost kind of becomes like a land tax at that point Okay, but so, okay, knowing that now, my question is, would either of you guys run this in a deck in the current commander format? It certainly wouldn't be one of my first picks for something. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. If I was playing, maybe if I was playing um, Glissa, 
you know, anything that, that cares about recurring artifacts. But yeah, they're probably better choices there. You know, like a, a Micasin's Wellspring would be the... Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th I, th I think for me, it's just uh, evaluate your color, evaluate your budget, because... I mean, I can think of probably 10 ramp cards, even for mono white, that I would run over this, but five or six of them are over $10. Sheldon, what is the last grain card you'd like to point out? Uh, I, I said it a minute ago, Micasin's Wellspring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think this is a really underappreciated card. Uh, when EKBs, you get a, go get a land in your hand, and when it leaves play, you, you go get a land in your hand. And costs only two. Um, I, I think that, again, uh, it was a new Phyrexia card, I think. Um, and just, it's one of those things that the Esper deck want, needs to do, because like you pointed out before, like, mana rocks are about the only ramp thing that you have. You know, you can, uh, you can do things like Micasin Wellspring that help you hit your land drops. And that's definitely thing that you have to do in this deck, right? You're, you're not gonna get ahead, but as long as you, as long as you're hitting one per turn, you're gonna be okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I don't think I run Wellspring in, in a deck, but I was just gonna say, cause there are a lot of artifact or a lot of decks that deal with sacrificing artifacts and then recurring them. So I think it's almost like the Armillary Sphere, but better value because you don't have to dump mana into it to sacrifice it. It's, well, even if I recur it, I'm still getting a basic land out of it for just doing the recur. Oh, I sacrificed it to XYZ, Crack Clan Ironworks. I'm still getting a basic land out of it. So it seems like you're basically getting the benefit of the Armillary Sphere just with less investment and I think more upside into different strategies you can play around with. All right. My last grain, uh, I initially, I didn't see what Sheldon was doing here. I alluded to it at the beginning though. I finally figured it out with all of his weird, it's like he has a sub theme of flying, but then there's a sub sub theme of gaining life. So Wall of Reverence is a very Ooh. cool card for this deck. Um, I, I'm obsessed with this card. I love it. It's so innocuous yep. uh, for three colorless white creature spirit wall. It's a 1-6 with Defender flying. At the beginning of your end step, you may gain life equal to the power of target creature you control. And hit me with the RNG. All right, here we go. And we're off. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, this is being read from Niv Mizzet, our favorite, the Ghoul Man. Oh, God. We're back. God, ghoul man. What was it like? Some weird, like, British ghoul? Yeah, it was like a British. Uh, I think that's a dead on the nose. British ghoul, you know, jaws not working too great, all that good stuff. The lives of elves long, but the memories are longer. Even after death, they do not desert their home. I don't wow. know if that was actually right. That was really, I, I, that I, was that really good. Like that Andre was really the giant reading a ghoul text. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I run this card in my Loro deck. It's great. It's honestly a card yeah. that I would fringe say I should probably run more often. 
because having a 1-6 defender flying for four isn't honestly something to snuff at. And then the gaining life, even if you're only gaining one life per rotation, you're probably still gaining more life incidentally because people aren't swinging at you because it's unprofitable having a 1-6. Uh, but then, you know, when you get down your, your big stuff, or in this case, Marik steals things that have big fronts, gaining five life, 10 life, maybe yeah. even 15 life if there's counters on it, this card can really do some work. Yeah, this is, uh, you and I have talked about this card before, and this is one that I agree with you, where it's like, I can't really, I've, I've tried it and I can't really find a home for it, even in my walls deck. And in this deck, it's just so strong. Like, especially as you're talking about Sheldon in the early game, giving you some time to live, giving you some time to get past the first round of tokens or any of that sort of thing, just seems like it's, re it's really doing overwork here. Yeah, I think that, um... I have it also in my Tristani deck, which is a makes sense. Which is angels and life gain. Uh, but I also have Sarah Avatar in that deck, and I think I used to have it in here. <laughs> so Sarah Avatar doubling your life every turn. Yeah, that seems seems pretty strong. Seems, seems all seems right. Pretty strong. <laughs> All right, well, Tuck, bring us home. What is the last green card you'd like to talk about? Okay, this is this was a weird one. Um, I've never seen this card before. Uh, this might be a Ghost of Girlfriends card uh, of the deck's past, but Tower of the Magistrate is a real weird one. Uh, it is not a legendary land, but it is a land from Arcadian Mass. Tap to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. One colorless tap. Target creature gains protections from artifacts until end of turn. Uh, and let's try this guy. Okay. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> this is my least favorite. Uh, is it Lisa Kudrow? No, that one's, e that one's easier. Kasim M. Naji, the young elephant from Jungle Book. Yes! I, I always forget how this goes. It's like... Like the city, weakest at its no. foundation. No, I don't remember you sound this like one. Some weird. No, you got to sound like a confused little kid. Like, like the city, weakest oh, at okay. its foundation. All right, let me see just real quick. Let's see if I can make that. Like the city, weakest at its foundation. That's what we're looking for. Uh, uh, yeah, it's basically it's basically high pitch. Everything you're saying is almost in the form of a question. Question. Oh, one of those things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like Valley Girl style. Um, so yeah. So I think this is a really interesting card. Um, I. It could be that I have North Carolina Madness. I don't see a ton of utility of it in this deck, but I like the inclusion of it anyways. Sheldon, do you can you can you bail me out on this here? You know what this does. It makes equipment fall off. Yep. Ooh. Interesting. So, uh, okay. So, I, I, when I saw this card, I thought of it as a reaction to people trying to put equipment on, like, ha, one mana, I kind of stop it. But I had thought with protection, when you look at debt, if something, like, for example, if something's enchanted with a blue enchantment, then gains protection from blue, I thought the enchantment stays, it doesn't fall off. So wouldn't that be the same thing if the equipment's already there, it's not going to just dissipate? Uh, no. If, if something gets protection from, something that's enchanted gets protection from blue, the blue enchantment will fall off. Protection doesn't mean just can't be targeted by, but it can't be enchanted by either. 
Yeah, I, I knew that the act of it. I just I thought I had read this was like years ago. Um before I started doing this professionally. Yeah, exactly. Before before we came before we came complete experts of this game and this medium. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that that's interesting. Yeah, because I had thought I had read something about you know and you know what? Maybe it was shroud is what they were talking about. Because I obviously I know you can shroud stuff after the fact. Correct. Um but yeah. But yeah, no, I think this is cool because nothing would make me more excited than playing against Duff, uh, another person from our local play group. And uh, he tries to throw all of his swords on his Sir Gwyn. And it's like, ah, prediction from artifacts. Suck it. Yeah. I'm noticing that the local game store next to me has four of these in, co- four of these in stock. I might just go pick them up now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Man, I'm looking right. at the, you know, I've got, I've got my architect architect up here and I'm looking at these cards and um that, that's how are the magistrates not cheap no almost five bucks nothing in magic is cheap anymore oh I got I have a foil version oh, oh yeah sorry we have the peon version in our tap yeah exactly yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what I, you know what made me pull this up was when you said the value of the deck uh-huh and I said that doesn't sound right. Well, <laughs> I mean, it does when you have a scrubland and a water and an underground sea in it. So, yeah, the underground sea will, will ditch you a, a good eight hundred to a thousand right there. Yeah. Well, when you said that, I said that sounds remarkably low. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> well, his entire deck's foiled out. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, that makes that makes more sense. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the green section. Now we're going to head over to the hot profile, and uh, I'll start this one off with a card that I find so incredibly cool because it does, I think, what this deck wants to do. It's, I want your stuff, but sometimes you need to have some graveyard hate. And this Demir doppelganger kind of does a little bit of both. So... Colorless Demir, which is blue and black. It's a creature shapeshifter. It's a rare. Uh, and it is a 0-2. It has an activated ability of a colorless Demir. Exile target creature card from a graveyard. Demir Doppelganger becomes a copy of that card, except it has this ability. And it is not a tap effect. So if Sheldon has nine, he could do it three times and just use it as kind of like a scavenging use effect. But unfortunately, there is flavor text. What is my RNG? All right, here we go. You ready? So we're rolling it. I found a new website that seems like it might be more partial. And we have, uh, damn it, Tameo, the Sorcerer Supreme, Tilda Swinton. Well, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, fear not, your life will not go unlived. So, uh, I love this card. I already kind of said why it's doing, I think, Sheldon, both the things that your your deck wants to do. You want to make your opponents think, because obviously if they're in a graveyard synergy, a Caridor, a Marin, a Shirai, do I really want to put that creature in the graveyard? He could just make a copy of it and get rid of it, which hurts my game plan for later. But then the other side of it is... You're playing with what your opponents are playing with, which is kind of what your deck is doing. So let me get the best thing out of the graveyard um, and, and kind of roll with that. Very nice. Only a dollar, yeah. which is kind of shocking because I feel like the card is very appropriately costed. 
Um, has, have you ever had a blowout or done something to where you use this like a scavenging use um, and just kind of picking off the best things from graveyards? Uh, I once had somebody have a OG Ulamog go to the graveyard. Nice. Yes. And trigger. And then eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask that if you if you got luck if you lucked out with like a blight steel or one of the other quote unquote monster mash cards, yeah, yeah, it's it's insanely good. Um, and I think that one thing that we'll be talking about a little later is d playing a little bit more with the graveyards as a toolbox. And I think this is one of the best. I think this is one of the best ones that are out there with the value and the ability you can do it over and over and over again. All right, Tuck. Why don't you start off? What's your hop card? Um, I have never seen this card ever before. Um, and maybe it's because... Bajookabog. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> copy, and, copy enchantment. Um, no, maybe it's because if you saw me in the moonlight... Oh, no. You might think of me of some sort of horrible werebeast. All right, are you ready? Yes, sir. Three, two... One hollow moonlight. All right, I'll read it. You do the accent. Okay, hollow moonlight. A colorless and a white. It, it works so well. Uh, colorless and a, and a white for an instant. It's a rare for about twenty-seven cents out of Magic Origins until end of turn. If a creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast, exile it instead. Draw a card. Um, so cool. It's it's really awesome. All right, I think a relative new one. <laughs> uh, Talara, you, you got to give me on this one, Mr. Combo. Talara, Elmer's safe right as Pikachu. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Pika, 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 Pika. <laughs> Pika. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I had actually never seen this one before, and I like it a lot. Um, you know, I, I think that this is, we've talked before and Bajuka Bog is an interesting example of how people are becoming more often of cheating, um, cheating cards into play, cheating cards out of graveyards using like quote unquote Elvish Piper effects, um, all these sort of things to get creatures in. And usually when that happens, it's so back, like people aren't doing that to go get a land of world. So they're doing it to get some sort of horrible Eldritch or Eldrazi monstrosity or something like that. Um, and the fact that this replaces itself. So if you get the, if you look at the table and you're like, I'm guessing no one's trying to do this. This is an easy thing just to bend for two, draw a card and replace itself. Uh, so for a card I've never seen before at instant speed, just seems like there's a lot of upside for this guy. Yeah. And I would guess Sheldon, you primarily run this in the deck to counter token strategies because like the super go wides are probably where you're going to struggle the most. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, for for the most part, that's accurate, um, especially ones that do it super early. Uh, but, there, you know, there are a lot of big things like um, tooth and nail. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Defense of the heart. Uh, yeah. Defense of the heart. Uh, uh, even living death, because, you know, especially... Uh, again, if it's sort of run up to and I've got nearly no graveyard and you have a big one, uh, this is this is going to protect me. I'm sure, it might exile a few of my things, but, uh, you know, the, the person playing the living that is the one that is trying to extract the most value out of it anyway. 
I'm, I actually just thought of this. So this card with cards like Tooth and Nail and Defense of the Heart, it doesn't actually really work. It works in the aspect of whatever creatures they put out get exiled, but from a stack perspective, the triggers or spell resolutions on the stack, you would have to cast this. You couldn't see what they're going to get because by the time they get it, that means their effect has resolved and that's already on the battlefield, correct? Sure. Yeah, you have to cast this in response to Tooth and Nail. Okay. And so it just more just stops them from doing the thing. Yeah. Now, um, Tooth and Nail is, is a may, right? You may put the two cards. I mean, you start, You have to search for them. Um, yeah. But you can fail to find. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can choose to not cast this, but that, I mean, not put them into play. Uh, in that case, this, this is a, a cantrip that probably stopped you from winning the game. Right, yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was gonna say. You're burning your best spell in your deck or one of them for nothing, ultimately. And Tuck, I took offense at what you said earlier before we go to Sheldon. Um, maybe I would do one of my cheat things for Atlanta War Elves. Hell, I use Demonic Tutor to go get basically <laughs> that's, get that's a fair point. I have seen that in person more than once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sheldon, what hops card would you like to talk about? Chronomantic Escape. Oh, I did. Okay. I did see this one. So it's it's basically a fog. It's a sorcery. Fog, baby. It's a fog every third turn. So dumb. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. You shut your mouth. It's beautiful. So if it's if it's in your hand early, uh, you know you suspend it for three. If it's a later, you, you cast it for you cast it for six, and then of course it it becomes suspended, and uh, it's like I ah, can't attack me. Thank you. Uh, so things get pointed other directions, and uh, again, people might think about playing what they're uh, think about what they're going to play or not. So it creates a situation where once again they have to put some additional thought into how they play the game. Yeah, and for some of the people that may not be familiar with it, you know, Sheldon kind of went over the suspend three and the overall cost, but the actual text on the card says, until your next turn, creatures can't attack you. Remove it from the game with three time counters on it. So basically, whether you suspended it for three or casted it for six, every third turn, you get one free total rotation free from attack. Yep. Not that they can't yeah. deal combat damage to you, just they cannot attack you. Right. Uh, this is filthy, it's dumb. Uh, <laughs> the goad, uh, you should absolutely put this in your uh, goad deck. Uh, it yeah, seems definitely. like it would be a perfect home for that. And I may throw this in my Kyrnos and Tiro goad deck as well. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, the timing can get kind of weird, but again, even if you have to wait three turns after turn three, that's turn six, that's kind of when things get rolling. So you'll probably see the benefit of this, even if you do have to wait a few turns for it. And you know, you know what? what? If, if someone wants to burn their counter spell on it, go right ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually have had countered when it was coming off of suspend. Really? Yeah. Somebody's like, nope, they I must have been desperate. <laughs> I need to counter. I need to, well, I need to counter that so it doesn't keep happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, get rid of it once. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, man. All right. Tuck, what is your last hops card? So this is one that's relatively new um, in the scope of the game. 
And I, I think it kind of falls in a really interesting category. So I think time wipe is something that is well worth the 28 cents that it costs. So oh, two, yeah. two colors, two white and a blue for a sorcery. It's a rare from War of the Spark. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. Luckily, this one needs no uh, random number generator. To comprehend, motherfucker, the full answer requires years of temporal study, motherfucker. In short, they were never born in the first place. Motherfucker. <laughs> From uh, Teferi as Samuel L. Jackson. So um, as, I think that this card, it kind of fits in this weird slot that's become pretty common of this of this 5 CMC board wipe for Rydals. Um, the reason why I think this one is so good is that in a deck like this, you really only need your commander to get the game going, right? Like the, yep. you're you're gonna win, and you're gonna win with your commander. And the fact that this is a little harder to swallow when your commander might cost like five, six, seven, but the fact that in the same turn when you cast this, you can completely stymie all your opponents. And then also probably recast your commander the same turn. Just it's really incredible. And and like I said, this is a deck that's really not that commonly played. And I think considering the other not so hot or not so interesting uh, options in this in this space, this is something that people should be playing way more often. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it, it, it's definitely one that I think people aren't going to see coming. They're going to be thinking, oh, it's Wrath of God. It's Cyclonic Rift. Uh, it's Damnation. Yeah. They're, they're thinking of all these staple Esper board wipe things. And then Sheldon hits them with a time wipe. And it's like, well, I'm going to get Marik back. Oh, yeah, by the way, I have eight mana. So I'm going to cast her again after this is resolved. It's just like... Well, poop a biscuit. We're kind of screwed because it, it almost kind of turns into the news episode that we talked about earlier in the week to where Sir Nathan with his Toroff deck, he would like, you know, deal with someone. But then, uh, you know, the the godfather of HDF comes in and it's like, well, I'm at a point now to where you were always a turn behind me. And as long as I can keep removing your stuff, and in this case, Sheldon can just keep taking people's stuff. Yep. They can never really recover, um, which makes that so much better. Exactly. So yeah, play more of it. It's 54 cents. Like everything else, it's probably gonna be $500 in a year and a half. So pick them up now. All right. Well, Sheldon, why don't you round this out? What is the last hop you would like to discuss? This is hops that could turn into yeast. Um, Ooh, I think I know what you're talking about. It is uh, sudden spoiling. Oh, yeah, what I an did all not see that coming. Wow. All right. One of my favorite cards. Yeah, it's really good. Game mechanics. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, there's a, a, again, there's a lot of good play with Sudden Spoiling, and since it has split second, it is not getting countered. Yeah. Um, uh, just from an overall magic perspective, because I, I know that... I think last year we talked about it. I, I can't remember. We've talked about like, you know, would we ever see these mechanics come back? Are they problematic, etc.? cetera? Uh, split second, that's one you don't see a lot of. Do, is that a problematic mechanic that's probably not going to get done again? Uh, or is that one that you could foresee them if they find a new design space for it or the effect, they would they would do it again? I think it's not quite banding <laughs> in that regard. Um what are you talking yeah, right. about? Banding dot deck is all the rage right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that, uh, well, sudden spoiling removes banding, so get out of here. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's what second is relatively high up on the um, 
the list of things that might not get explored again. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I say I, that without I mean, any inside knowledge. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I could see how it's one of those things where you would have to do not maybe exciting effects with it because since it can't be countered and it can't be interacted with it's like if they did it again is it oh split second creature gets plus two plus three until end of turn uh, I, I think it might have to be some more, more of those lame effects because i think sudden spoiling is a perfect example of how powerful split second yeah. can be because i cannot tell you how many times we've been in games and someone's like okay well i'm just gonna kill you and it's like well i'm actually gonna sudden spoiling you and then when all your creatures are coming at me i'm gonna kill all of right. them with my like two two drakes and it's like oh well that was a one side board wipe for three mana and it's like yep sure yeah. was and, and, to, and to your point mr combo we've talked about sudden spoiling cards a fair amount and there are there are already printed like confusing ones like this one or like angel's grace that are definitely wild for the cost and then more of like your your you know um more basic ones like cross and grips or whatever the case may be there sure. so i think like i think that's a problem and i agree with you i agree with you mr combo where it's like they would just be boring things so that's like murder but split second um, which sure. you know would obviously be a million times better than murder straight out the gate, <laughs> as as we've discussed hey, many hey now. as we've discussed many times. All magic. <laughs> murder and Manolith, baby, they're they're wonderful cards. All right, well, uh, that's gonna wrap up the hot profile. Even though I just got told murder is a terrible card, and I'm very offended. Now we're gonna move on to how does the deck <laughs> win the game in the yeast section? And uh, Tuck, I'll start with you. What is the first? game-winning card you'd like to start with? So uh, this is one that I like, and it's very confusing to me, and I think I kind of understand why it's still in here, and I'm glad to see it. I think it's a very interesting design, and I don't, don't think I've ever seen this in a deck before. So um, this is an Elder Dragon. I think it's a reprint of one of the original Elder Dragons that takes the full Esper swing, and I can't, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. You're waiting? Okay, I'm gonna go for it. We're talking about Chromium the Mutatable, or Mutable, perhaps. Four colorless Nesper, that's white, blue, black. For legendary creature Elder Dragon, that's a mythic. Uh, it's got flash. The spell can't be countered, it's flying. Discard a card until end of turn. Chromium the Mutable becomes a human with base power, toughness one and one, loses all ability and gains hexproof. It can't be blocked this turn. And it is a 7 7 for 86 cents. Whew, a lot going on there. Uh, I like it because it's pretty much just a 7-7 beater with flying that you will not be able to get rid of. And it's gonna, or it'll be very difficult to and get it's rid gonna, of. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to waste a lot of resources, and then it's going to punch you in and around, in or, or, or around the face. So, uh, Sheldon, I'm curious. So, Chromium, do you have it in here for flavor? Was there maybe a, a, a rendition of the deck in the past that really played into the, well, I can discard a thing, it can't be blocked, and I'm now doing, like, combat tricks? Did this originally start um, as a Chromium, the original dragon that had Rampage 2, and you decided to upgrade from it? No, this was this was um, an upgrade when M19 came out. Uh, it was post the shift to the dragon sub-theme. Mm. Okay. And I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. Uh, I'm mostly playing it as 
a seven to seven that you can flash in. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the deck wants to be uh, reactive a lot. And, uh, you know, somebody, somebody will battle you uh, thinking that you're, uh, you know, that your um, shield's down. And boom, here comes Chromium. And, you know, that's, that's a tough creature to kill. Yeah. yeah. And then, of yeah, course, you, you swing back next turn. <laughs> so have you done, because I remember when I saw this card get previewed for M19, it was very curious. Have you ever done the discard card effect on it? Or has it just been more the flash 7-7 seven, seven beater flyer? Yeah, it's mostly been the flash. Okay. okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a seven seven for seven with flying with flash that can't be countered. Uh, yeah, and then and then the rest of the card is just uh, flavor text. <laughs> yeah, like you know, <laughs> maybe ones have protected it. Sure, um, but there you know, no other real shenanigans. Was there ever a time uh, where someone was down to one life? And then there was a total board wipe, and you're like, well, I got some sour news for you, pal. I got two cards in hand. At the end of your turn, Chromium the Mutable. <laughs> and then don't worry, I know I could hit you for seven because you have no blockers, yeah. but I'm going to discard a card and make it into a 1-1. One -one exactly, just, exactly. <laughs> just to prove a point. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, Sheldon, what is the first game-winning card you think would be worth pointing out? So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the one that combos with sudden spoiling. Oh, and that's, okay. And that's massacre worm. Ah, oh, sure, right. Nice. So massacre worm triggered on the stack. Sudden spoiling. Good night. Yeah, GG. Woof. What a beast. What a worm. Well, I mean, sudden spoiling only does it with one player, so I guess they would have to have enough creatures to make it to where they lose i guess yeah yeah well yeah, yeah. That, that definitely happens not when you play me who likes to play creatures it's planeswalkers all over the place over here <laughs> uh, i've always looked at sudden spoiling as a reactionary protect me type card i've never looked at it as a do it proactively yeah. and then massacre worm to kill you or something like that so that's a that's a that's a cool little uh two card deal little right tech. there little little deck tech. Little, tech. little tech yeah i mean even if you just have um, Masco Room in play, and someone attacks, you know, somebody with a lot of creatures attacks somebody else, you can still sudden spoiling them, let the third player block and kill a bunch of creatures, and Masco Room still triggers. Ooh. Hmm. The spite play, as they call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will tell you my best sudden spoiling play, not with this deck, with another Esper deck, with my Aminasu deck. Which is a, a demon deck. Oh, yeah. I think you. I think you. You talked about this one in the past. It's amazing. And uh, I had Lilia's contract and four demons, but one of them was Abyssal Persecutor, uh, which says I can't win the game. Oh, right. okay. So my upkeep came around, and Lilia's contract triggered because I had four demons, and then in response, I cast Sudden Spoiling on myself to take away all the abilities of all my demons, specifically Abyssal Persecutor, so that I, then wow. I could, when the trigger yeah. resolved, I won the game. Incredible. I remember that story as well. Oh, my contract's so good. 
All right. Well, uh, my first game-winning card, and I'm, I'm glad it's been confirmed that you you have built this deck, Sheldon, top-down. You know, you're winning with Marik. You're going to lose with Marik. I mean, that's just the way that it that it is. And Illusionist Bracers is a incredibly oh powerful God, magic so card in general, but it's so much better with her because of her effect. So for two colorless, you get an artifact equipment rare uh, from Gate Crash, uh, equip three. Whenever an ability of an equipped creature is activated, if it's not a mana ability, copy it and choose new targets for the copy. RNG me, sir, RNG right, me. I did it. This is one we haven't heard for a while either. Um, it, this is Hana, the ship's navigator, who we decided sounds like the Mad Hatter. Oh, God. See, I feel like I came up with most of these voices, but now I don't even remember how the voices go. It's like uh, it's like British and high, and then also just like, woo -hoo -hoo. Yeah, you gotta be like, you gotta, you have weird pauses, and yeah. it's like, and, and I will say, Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's right, easy fine. to believe, that sort of thing. It's easy to believe you're a god when you're twice as powerful as everyone. Else, yeah, perfect. See, that, that, that was that great. Right. Yeah, it's great. So I like this effect because, like, the one technical drawback of Marik is like the only way you're going to get multiple stuff is that if you untap her, and then you have to destroy the thing unless it's indestructible. But even then, her actual static effect says gain control for as long as you control Marik. So even if, well, I guess you could untap it if it was indestructible uh, and it would live. Um, so that that's fine, but it's essentially <laughs> Marie's supposed to be you get a one thing and you're done. So illusionist bracers allowing you to steal two, and it's not restricted to that player. It's not restricted to card of the same name. It definitely opens it up. I know illusionist bracers can do broken stuff in a lot of decks, but I think it actually makes this commander a lot more fun. Because what's more fun than stealing someone's thing than stealing two than of doing someone's it. things? Dose times. So, Sheldon, have you, with Illusionist Bracers and Marik, been able to steal two extremely impactful creatures? Or has oh, yeah. it usually just been, I'm getting a good one, and then I'm getting a filler? No, more than, more than once. There, I mean, I, I, again, in Commander, there are often lots of good creatures on the board. So it's not, uh, you know, take one and get a, something dirtily. It's which of two really good things do I want? Right. Yeah, All right. Chuck? What's your last yeast card? So at this one, we're going to be taking it to the edge um, with a card that goes like Menomino, Menomino, which I believe is the Dr. Pepper's ad. Uh, Menomino schools of water edge. So it's a legendary land from the Kamigawa block, much revered or much hated, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, sitting around $17, tap, add blue to your mana pool. Blue, tap, untap, target legendary permanent. And please, God, give me a good one. Nope. Uh, all right, I get, it looks like I'm gonna do this old fashioned way and just build it by myself because we're back to the Sorcerer Supreme. It's students graduate the school and into history. Uh, yeah, not happy about the uh, the reading there, and uh, I'm also not happy that this card is $17, but this, I think, is one of those cards that's kind of a slam dunk in this deck, kind of like an almost auto-include. Um, you want to be able to... The, the, trick with, the trick with Mariki is you want to be able to tap or untap her at will. And with a card like this, the, the floor is so low because you're not going to have multiple copies of them. 
Um, it's unlikely going to be a target for like a wasteland or a ghost quarter or something like that. And it comes into play untapped and also continues to help you with your game plan. So this is probably the best land in the deck um, outside of like, I don't know, Hollow Fountain. I don't know. But it just does everything that this deck wants to in such a concise package. Um, and then my hot take was all of these legendary lands, except for the white one to shocker to no one from Kamigawa were really good. Let's see that secret layer. So, um, Sheldon, general EDH thought, and, and I don't know if you'll have the answer because it's, it's a pretty big question. There's a lot of lands, especially, but you know, you can even go to artifacts and people will say, or EDH staples, gotta have it in every deck. Or it's a, like our channel, we like to say standard. Yeah. It's good in a lot of the decks, but it doesn't have to be in all of them or it doesn't work in all of them. There are more and more commanders that deal with tap effects. Would you say that there is enough commanders that have blue in their color identity to where you could almost argue Monomo school at water's edge is almost a statement like <laughs> you're almost going to put it in a deck like okay command tower Monomo schools at water's edge because there are so many that deal with tap untap type of shenanigans uh i reject the notion that there are things such as staples Oh, respect. Interesting. What about Command yeah. Tower? What? what? That goes, that goes in everything except for monocolor decks. That's the only thing it doesn't make sense in. Reject the notion. Reject the notion. Damn. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, how about you accept the notion of your last yeast card? Uh, my last yeast card. Well, I was going to go with Manamo. Uh, so. What can I get? Well, I mean, Kozilek is pretty good. Oh, I have heard rumors that that card is, is highly playable. And I'm guessing it's in here just because you need, sometimes you need ways just to beat face. And when you get up to your 10 mana, you're like, yeah, this is probably going to do it. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go with Kozilek. I mean, it feels good to cast Big Fat Eldrazi <laughs> and draw cards while you're doing it. Ozilowski. <laughs> And Annihilator 4 while you're at it. Well, I mean, again, you like you said earlier, the, the deck might have trouble with a go-wide strategy, so... Yeah, I, I love Butcher of Truth um, because of his last text. So guys, if you're not familiar with it, whenever Kazi is, uh, and yes, that is his nickname, we're on a first name basis. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, very Kazi close. Kazi is put into a graveyard from anywhere, uh, the owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. So uh, early in my EDH building career, uh, and also when this card was like $15, not I was $81. Just gonna say. <laughs> Um, I, I used to, Sheldon, put this in almost all of my EDH decks sure. because when I first started playing, I had so many things where people were like milling me and putting, you know, destroying stuff. And I didn't really have graveyard recursion. And it was like, well, I guess I just put Kozilek in here because I'm beating face. I'm a in the red zone deck. It's colorless. It draws cards. And worst case scenario, I mill it. Graveyard gets shuffled. I gain back value. I discard it. It gets, gets back value. It gets killed. Gains back value. So it just filled so many slots. Now, granted, at $81, I don't think I'd put this in all my decks anymore like if i was starting Ooh. fresh but this card is immensely oh. powerful oh my goodness i need to just sell my whole damn collection so like i'm dead serious man <laughs> it's a nightmare out there yeah you're looking at the price of your foil yeah 
Yeah, what's it? What's it? What's it up to? Card Kingdom two forty nine ninety nine. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> yep, I could probably sell out of magic and pay for my wedding in cash and my honeymoon. But uh, alas, I have an addiction. I, I think you could pay for more than that. Well, I think Very we're going to wrap up the yeast section with my last card. And I like it because this is a it's, a it's a good card regardless. But I think with how Marique operates with her untap, it actually makes this card immensely better. Mimic that. Ugh. So powerful. For so strong. Uh, for three colorless, you get an artifact. It has imprint. Whenever a non-token creature dies, you may exile that card. If you do, return each other card exiled with Mimic Vat to its owner's graveyard. Then, for three colorless and a tap, create a token that's a copy of a card exiled with Mimic Vat. It gains haste, exile at the beginning of the next end step. I really like this because you could steal the best thing that someone has, untap Marik, it dies, exile it with Mimic Vat, you still got rid of it from your opponents, but now you're making copies for three mana. That is so good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I wish, you know, kind of looking through here, you have a bunch of untapped creature effects. I wish there was like an untapped artifact effect because that'd be pretty neat to be able to create multiple copies of Avengers Endicar or whatever mm. you ended up killing. Um, but I, I think Mimic Vat probably does a lot more in this deck than I've seen other decks. Yeah, I love I love this card, um, especially in a deck that has some board wipes in it. Uh, when things get things sort of get out of hand, you know, you you wrath, and then you get a copy of the best thing that went to the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yep. seems, seems pretty good. Yeah, slam duck in here, um, especially with Marigi's like unlike her counterpart that gives it back whatever it dies get it out in the back yep all right guys well that's gonna wrap up the yeast now we're gonna head over to spice um and sheldon we're on to you we only got four options i tried my best to figure out what the spicy cards were <laughs> uh why don't you tell us which one you want to talk about my spiciest card is kysis that's P-H-T-H. Ooh, right mr mcgill always pronounces it like uh, this yeah. yeah this this card has murdered many many people in the in the format's history. So respect. I'm curious though. So I I initially thought this was a yeast card because of the fact that I also have seen this card murder people left and right because it is so good. In the games that you've played, is it a very situational card game to game? Like, have you had games where it's, man, there's only a 3-3, like that's the best thing out here. I guess I can make them lose six. Or has it been consistent enough to where you'd say, you know what, this isn't just a funny card. It legitimately does something every single time and it's always impactful. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't do something every single time. Uh, it, But it's one of those cards that I like because when you do cast it, mm -hmm. uh, it's something, right? That uh, that it creates it creates one of those memories. Uh, you know, if somebody is playing their life gain deck and they have their Sarah avatar, um, <laughs> and they're at twenty five hundred life, and you just dome them for twice that. Yeah. So it's it's one of those very splashy cards that I wouldn't in any um, 
reasonable definition called efficient, but it's definitely the kind of card that the format loves. So the one that I'm going to talk about is uh, is Sun Titan. (laughs) And I put it in here for Spice. So I I calculated you got 21 or 23 cards in the deck that Sun Sun Titan can target, not including basic or not including your just simple lands. Um, So Sun Titan, four colorless, white, white, six, six, uh, vigilance, creature, giant, mythic. uh, Whenever ETBs are attacked, you may return target permanent, CMC three or less from graveyard to the battlefield. What's the RNG? Uh, We got... Uh, Kudro, fire. <laughs> a blazing sun that never sets. Uh, so the reason I put it in the spice category, and the reason I believe it's a spice, is I looked at a lot of the three CMC or less cards in the deck, and most of the ones that you're trying to quote-unquote abuse or reuse are your like armillary sphere type of things. I didn't see a whole lot of, you know, um, tap, sack the creature, counter the spell, persist, tap, or even the non-creature. I didn't see anything like that. I didn't see some utility enchantments where, oh, I'm gonna sacrifice it to do this thing all that much. Um, You know, there's aura silence, but I think it's a fun card, and I think it's good enough to have in the deck because it is a 6-6 Vigilance. Um, it does give you a blocker and attacker, and like I said, you do have 20-ish non-land cards to target. So if you take out your lands, that is roughly 33-35% of your deck. Um, I just I just didn't see a strategy to where it's, oh, Sun Titan is here because I'm like sacrificing this and I'm getting rid of these things and I need to get it back. And it kind of helps me do more Marik shenanigans. Yeah, it's it's more about um, a backup plan for getting critical things blown up. Um, the Mimic Vat, the Illusionist Bracers, um, the Thousand Year Elixir, uh, mm-hmm. or one of the other cards that I think folks have passed by on this, and I hope I'm not... Uh, jumping on uh, ahead of anybody here is tainted sigil right yeah that card's really good yeah i have a love-hate relationship with tainted sigil i love it in my selenia the dark angel deck because it's absolutely perfection in that um this deck it's actually one of the ones i'm talking about in the bottle capping um just because I didn't see a ton of symmetrical, making a lot of my opponents lose life, things like that. But I could see, like, you know, if if you've had game experiences where, oh, I've been able to swing in, deal a bunch of damage, Tainted Sigil, and then next turn, you know, Sun Titan gets it back and I can do it again, how that can kind of add up. Uh, but yeah, no, Sun Titan, I think it's a fun card, good enough for the deck. Um, it's just, it's one of those cards that Tuck and I have talked about through Bruce and Bill Sheldon, kind of like Rampaging Bayloths. We feel like it's maybe just been a little outclassed through time for what it does, uh, but it's nice to see that it still has a home. Yeah, agreed. All right, Tuck, 
You only got a couple other options. It'll be it'll be short, short and sweet. Uh, Enigma Sphinx, I think, is a super fun card in this deck. So four colorless uh, Esper as well. Seeing a trend here um, that is white, blue, black for an artifact creature Sphinx. It's a five four with flying. When it's put into your graveyard from the battlefield, put it in your library third from the top, and then it has Cascade, which um, I don't remember what the new rulings are, but uh, pretty much when you cast a spell, exile cards from the top of your library until. You exile a non-land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost, put the exiled card on the bottom of your library in random order. So the cool thing I like about this is most of the big cards in here that do stuff, um, your Master Worms of the World, your big Elder Dragons, that sort of things, all fall under seven CMC. So this is another card that I think also might be able to kind of fit into the hops profile where it's a beater on itself, it comes in with its own recursion, and then it will likely cascade you into a spell that's really gonna catapult you forward. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's it, it's what I would call um uh Tuck, you introduced uh, Battle Cruiser EDH. It just yes. it's like back in the day with big splashy spells that kind of do splashiest things. Um but maybe it's, you know, not the most amazing thing in today's environment, but um hey, that were it seems cool. Never seen it. Um Cascade is just one of those effects. I have love hate with it. Yep. I have my Maelstrom Wanderer deck uh, or Wielder deck, and Cascade sometimes just burns you. Sometimes you just hit garbage poo. Yeah, exactly. You hit, you hit the you hit the uh, mana rock that you don't need, or you know a land or something. Sheldon, have you ever done the Enigma Sphinx and uh, cascaded into just something you were like, I do not want this. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like the mana rock is the is generally the most common. But, you, you know, you tend to put cards in your deck that are good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like you were pointing out, except for Kozilek, uh, <laughs> Enigma Sphinx gets everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets all the big guys. So, like to see it in the deck. I appreciate it in the Esper colors and just overall fun, a fun option for the spice package. Yeah, again, it's, a, right. it's definitely an artifact from the, the deck's origins. You know, and it's always nice to still have the origin of a deck. Like, uh, my very first EDH deck I ever built was on our second episode ever. It was Karametra with an Elf Angel sub-theme. Um, and I still have angels in that deck that have been clearly outclassed by other cards. But it's like, ah, I want to keep to this angel thing, and I want to kind of keep it, keep it at its roots. So... All right, well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to have another bottle capping. And as a reminder, it's going to be Big Tucks, Sheldon's, and Eyes cuts and adds to the deck that will be under five, under 50, and a no budget recommendation. We just can't do mana only lands. So I'll start this process off um, with a card that I want to love. I just don't, I think it's. It just don't love you back. <laughs> not good. Yeah. Profane Procession. Going to cut it. Um, okay. So if you guys aren't familiar, this is a modal enchantment uh, that also transforms into a land. Uh, to cast it, it's a colorless Orzhov, white-black, legendary enchantment. It's a rare. Uh, for three colorless Orzhov, exile target creature. Then if three or more cards exile with Profane Procession, transform it. And what is my voice? Uh, lavish, so, or sorry, Sean, just for, for uh, timing's sake, do you just want to read the flavor text for this last bit? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. So, uh, Vona sought Conqueror, Marvin sought Savior, both found what they sought. Uh, and then it transforms into Tomb of the Duskrows. 
Legendary land, uh, taps add a mana of any color to your mana pool, and then two colorless Orzhov, put a creature card exiled with this permanent onto the battlefield under your control, resting in the splendor of the dead. So, I, I don't know, I just, I've tried to play this in a few of my decks, and essentially 18 mana to get it flipped just seems a little expensive to me. Um, and I think, you know, just there could be better options, and I do believe with this deck, Sheldon, you have a ton of interaction already for the opponents. I think maybe cutting this, what I would call overcosted effect, probably isn't gonna be that miss. The card I think you should add though, I think is very, very cool, very exciting, uh, and it's extremely cheap. So we are talking about Retreat to Coraline, Coralheim, um, and this is an enchantment. It is two blue or blah, two colorless blue enchantment. It has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. You may tap or untap target creature or scry one. Ooh. And it's 79 Ooh. cents. Yeah. So Very I cool. look at this card because Sheldon even made a point earlier. Your you your goal is just to hit a land drop every turn. You're not trying to necessarily throw five or six a time down. Um, so being able to then untap your Marik as you need to, but the nice thing, and I'm always about having options, if your commander's not there and you need to play a land, it would really suck if the only thing was you may tap or untap target creature. Like, cool, I'll tap my opponent's Birds of Paradise. What does that do me? Uh, but the scry one, that can help you get you and kind of filter off the top. So I think doing these swaps, even though technically you do lose a land, quote unquote, I think you'll gain more out of it. I'm writing it down. Right. Put it in the deck. Look at that. Put it in. Um, all right. Tuck, what are you going to cut? What are you going to add? So I am actually going to cut a card. Um, it's a draw card called Dragon Lord's Prerogative. So it's four colorless blue blue for an instant. Uh, it's a rare as additional cost to Dragon Lord's Prerogative. You may reveal a dragon card from your hand. If, the revealed, if you revealed a dragon card or control the dragons, you cast it. Uh, it can't be countered and draw four cards. So it's a decent rate, um, but I don't think it's really that exciting. It is cool that's an instance. Um, I, I think if you had a little bit more of the dragon sub theme, as opposed to just like the bigger elder ones, this might be a little cuter so it doesn't get countered. I feel on EDH, it's probably not gonna counter it anyways. So um, <laughs> instead of adding in uh, another dragon, I'm gonna add something that might be considered a wet, dragon in uh Nezahal primal tide uh -huh. five colorless and blue blue for a legendary creature elder dinosaur it cannot also be countered you have no men maximum hand size whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell draw a card and then discard three cards exile Nezahal primal tide return to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control to, or i'm uh, oh, sorry return to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step so in my opinion this card kind of can be both a grain hops and a yeast card in the sense that you're paying seven for a seven seven creature it can't be countered it has evasion in some regard and it also can draw you cards so to me paying one more mana for something that could also potentially close out the game for you seems to really fit in and, and would help you kind of have a bigger presence in mid to late game fair is that one, because, um, you know, th that's a card that I've struggled with. Uh, I, I can see where you're going with it, Tuck. Um, but it's one that I've added to decks and cut from decks. 
because it just it seems real expensive and i do like that can't be countered i do like whenever they cast non-creature spells draw a card basically like a mystic remora or a uh, rhystic study type of uh, effect um the discard three cards though to exile it and return it i've never used that and that's usually why i end up cutting the card so i'm curious either tuck or sheldon have either of you guys ever ran nezahal and i'm completely off base and like oh no you're uh, drawing tons of cards the discard three is not a big deal i haven't but i've seen single aaron play this as his commander in a mono blue deck and it was unstoppable it was it was as soon as he cast it he was like unbeatable it was wild <laughs> Yeah, I haven't, I haven't ever played it. Interesting, interesting. All right. Well, Sheldon, I know uh, it's always hard for people to do, but if you had to, what card would you cut from the deck? And what card would you add for maybe under five bucks? Uh, I would cut Armillary Sphere. Easy enough. <laughs> seems fair, seems fair. And I would add uh, Azorius Signet. I'm, I'm curious, because you, you've, you've peaked me now. Why <laughs> add an Azorius Signet when uh, you don't have uh, Arcane Signet or Soul Ring? Just curious. Is that personal preference? Like you like to stay away from those faster mana rocks? Or um, is there maybe a different thought? Well, to be fair, Arcane Signet was the second one I was going to put in. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Foiled again. Uh, I love it. All right, well, we're going to move on to the under fifty dollars, guys. And um, once again, kick this off, Sheldon. It's a cute card, very cute. And I'm sure at one point while you're playing this deck, this thing helps save your life. But I think I'm going to have to cut time stop. Um, seems real expensive. So four colorless blue, blue instant, uh, in the turn, uh, that's all it does. Um, so I, I will, I will give you a platform. Why is time stop here? And why is it a powerful card for the deck? It will save your bacon. <laughs> I can respect it, man. I can definitely respect yeah. it. I guess. Like, um, you know, the number of times that uh, it's been a giant fog, uh, like someone tooth and nails for Crater Hoof and Avenger of Zendikar. And you put, you put the trigger on the stack, the Avenger of Zendikar trigger on the stack, you know that they're going to try to kill everybody, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, right. Yeah, you time stop with trigger on the stack. And not only do they not get to kill people, they don't even get the plant tokens. <laughs> That's fair. Suck it. <laughs> well, what I wanted to do is I wanted to add more to your deck of using your opponent's stuff. Because your deck is honestly just a Esper version of my mono blue deck. And I think adding Empress Galena to your mm -hmm. 99 would be a great backup command. This is on the list for sure. Three colorless blue blue creature legend. It's a one three for two blue tap gain control of target legend or legendary permanent uh, above the waves. You may be mighty indeed, but down here you belong to me or like Big Tuck always likes to say with my uh, play test card I had made mermaid titties. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I love this card. I think, yes, it's not as good as Marik because she can get any creature. Uh, Empress Galena can only get legends. But this is also legendary permanence. 
So I believe Paradox Engine. No. Nope. Is it Panharmonicon? Yeah, is it Panharmonicon that's the legend? Or Aetherflux, one of the two? Uh, Aetherflux for sure is. Okay, Aetherflux, because you can go get your Aetherflux Reservoir. Um, you can go steal uh, Sword of the Animus, which always boggles me and Tuck that it's a legendary uh, thing. Uh, so I think it allows you to do a lot, but then you don't get the negative drawback that Marik does where you have to destroy the creature. You just get to keep it. And you already have all of the creature untap things that you would want to have in these colors for the most part. So it's just like, why wouldn't you do that? So uh, it is coming in about 20 bucks, a lot more expensive. Uh, but yeah. one thing that I also always try to do is lower the CMC a little bit. So now we're going from a six to a five. Fair. By the way, Aetherflux the Reservoir is not legendary. Really? No. I, I thought one of them wow. was neither, neither is Unreal. Wow. Okay. Ugh, yeah, there are, was some. Other, I know sort of the animist is. There was. I thought there was one of those that was legendary. Maybe I'm just thinking of Paradox Engine, and it's because Sheldon's here and he just crushed my dreams and maybe dismantled <laughs> decks once it got banned. Just but I won't a, go on that rant again. It's just a bunch of basic cards walking around having a normal day. Uh, Tuck. Why don't you talk about the next card you're gonna cut? What are you gonna add for under $50? So I think this is another one that came off of your cracking of uh, the Tarkira block. So Hidden Dragon Slayer uh, fits the theme of the sub theme of it, but I think we can do something a little more exciting. So Hidden Dragon Slayer is a colorless and a white for two one. Creature Human Warrior with lifelink and Megamorph, two colorless and a white. Um, that means that you can morph it down for as a two two for three and then turn it face up at any time for its cost and put a 1-1 counter on it. Then once turn face up, destroy target creature with power four or greater and opponent controls. Um, I get the theme of it. I have had a horrible experience with these Megamorph cards. So for me, they have always kind of been lackluster. And I think that we can, I think we can find something that's a little bit more exciting for the deck personally. Uh, I think that, I think that big game hunter would be a yeah. great, thing for this spot, especially with Sun Titan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's a that's a, a combo that um, I've run in other decks and I just wanted something different. Sure. No, yeah. I, I hear you. Um, so I also agree, as we talked about earlier, that the graveyard is potentially an area that might have a little bit more a little bit more juice in there as well, especially as you're untapping Mariki and sacrificing things. So for me, Coffin Queen, I think would be a really interesting kind of backup commander as well. So two colorless and a black for a creature zombie wizard um, that's from Tempest. You may choose- uh, Wizard Harry. Yeah, thank you very much, zombie wizard Harry. You may choose not to untap Coffin Queen during your untap step. Two colorless and a black and tap it. Put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. When it becomes untapped or you lose control of Coffin Queen, exile that creature. So oh, for, that's cool. for me, this is, seems like another sort of variant of running board wipes, running creatures. Mariki has been killed too many times. Now you can come, you can cast this gal out late game. And I like the fact that it also exiles creatures when she becomes untapped, um, getting rid of like super problematic, indestructible permanents and the like. And also I think a key thing here is that hers is a may ability. So you may choose not to untap her which gives her a little bit more uh, wheels in terms of your controlling of different creatures and the like. Uh, Coffin Queen was in the deck way back when. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like it because it also, it kind of, to your point, Tuck, I think it actually kind of serves as almost a backup to mimic that, if you think about mm -hmm. it. 
to where, well, I was kind of talking about like, oh, Marie could steal something, untap, let the thing die, mimic fact, exiles and copies it. Coffin Queen can kind of do the same thing. So it's like almost you, Sheldon can have like this engine of Marie is going to steal a thing, let it die. I'm going to let this thing copy it. I'm going to use this creature to like take this thing from the graveyard and, and control right. it. And then I'm going to use Empress Galena to like steal a thing. Um, it really becomes a true 75% deck where exactly. if he's playing against people without a whole lot of creatures, well, the 25% of dragons and, and kind of swinging and hitting people in the air is going to have to do it. But if anyone else is playing anything, as Sheldon has mentioned multiple times, people play creatures in EDH, he's going to have tons of options to steal. And what feels better than playing with someone's own $100 Kozilek or $250 Kozilek? Instead of playing with your own, I want to play with yours. That's exactly. what I want. Exactly. And Coffin Queen will get that for you. All right, well, Sheldon, what would you cut next, and what would you add, I assume it's the Arcane Signet, uh, in its place? Uh, yeah, I would cut the Obelisk of, of Esper and put in the Arcane Signet. Yep. <laughs> Very easy cut. Yep. yep. <laughs> I love the efficiency here. It's, it's wonderful. So now, Devils, so I know that is a one-mana reduction, so I, I, I get that's kind of like the thought behind it. Um, but wouldn't potentially like some of these other three mana mana rocks be worth considering? Uh, especially the one, uh, I can't remember, it's from Commander Legends. You can kick it and it gets, you know, those additional copies that are indestructible. Um, wouldn't that almost be a good fit um, as long as you, you know, weren't trying to reduce the CMC? Because that's something I've started to look at because, you know, I run the uh, Darksteel Ingot and in a few different decks. Um, I run the other three mana, any color, but then you get to take a Vessel of Endless Rest. I run that in a few decks. And I've really started to contemplate, why don't I just put this three mana one in that's indestructible? And if I don't kick it, it's the same as these other things. I just don't get the little effect. But then if it's late game, I don't feel bad. It's like, oh, I'll play it for six or nine, get multiple copies of it, and actually be able to maybe do something even better. Yeah, the, the thing that... Um would be good about Darksteel Ingot is that it can create any color of mana, and if I steal something that has an activation that's not in Ooh, color, sure. then I could then I can generate it. Yeah. Makes sense. Tech. 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 All right. We're on a personal recommendations guy. We're in the home stretch. Uh, I'm going to cut the Tainted Sigil. Really, just the biggest reason is I don't see enough type of extort like effects draining i know i know i know uh but i have a cool card and yes you know of it uh, a lot of people know it i assume you didn't put it in here for a conscious reason but pimen's aura i think would be a better mm. fit than the tainted sigil saw this okay, saw this coming a mile away mr combo <laughs> yeah. yeah of course you did uh pimen's aura colorless blue blue enchant creature it's an enchantment um $13.99, right around, you know, that $11, bucks. Uh, it has four activated abilities. Uh, the only ones that I think Sheldon would ever use is the first one, blue, untap enchanted creature. And then the third one, enchanted creature can't be the target of spells or abilities this turn. It does have another one for, you know, once again, blue, enchanted creature gains flying until end of turn. And then for a colorless, you can actually give the enchanted creature plus one, minus one, or minus one, plus one till end of turn. Um... I think this, once again, I, I want to feed this deck with as many opportunities to take your opponent's stuff as possible. And, you know, with the Coffin Queen, with the Empress Galena, with the Marique, and any of these other where it's tap effects, 
and then there's maybe a negative connotation for your opponents. Pimentel Aura gives you that fluidity to kind of go back and forth on where do I want this? And then even with the Sun Titan, okay, it was on, I don't know, Marik. I drew Empress Galena in hand. There is a Gaia's Cradle on the battlefield. I need to take that. Let's figure out a way to kill Marik. Sun Titan will get Pimmon's Aura back, throw it on the Empress Galena. Now I have a ways to be able to use her and steal a couple things that I may need to steal. Fair assessment. So, so I assume you probably didn't put this in the deck for a reason? Uh, it was just, again, it was a card that saw a lot of play way, way back in the day. And it's just, okay. Eh. Been there, done yeah. that. Let's do something different. Something a little different, sure. Yeah. But hey, now look at it. It's only in 2% of all decks that run blue. <laughs> now you're on the fringe. Yeah. You're like edgy now. <laughs> all right. Tuck, round us out. What is your personal recommendation? Cut and add. Sure. Well, I am also going to cut. Uh, I'm also going to cut Time Stop for the same reason. I used to like this card a lot, and I it just was a dead card for me a lot. So um, I get it how it's like a mega fog, but I have my own personal baggage as to why. But I think I found one that might be that might be a little spicier than that guy. So I think Venser the Sorgener would be a real oh. interesting inclusion in this. So three colorless white and a, and a blue for legendary planeswalker. Venser comes in with three. Loyalty counters on it, um, and it's about twenty dollars. Although you can get the the dual deck version that's oily for fourteen. So three solid abilities plus two exile target permanent you own. Return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So for me, sometimes when you're stealing something with Mariki, you don't want to be tied explicitly to that creature. So this is a way that you can bounce them, untap Mariki, take something else, and then retain control of the original creature that you uh, that you stole. Minus one creatures can't be blocked this turn, even though you're running a lot of creatures that have flying. Always good to give them another uh, form of evasion, especially when it's this cheap. And then finally, minus eight, if you can ever get there, which you might be able to in this kind of controly deck, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, exile target permanent. So for me, for five mana, you get a way to continue the cycle, a way to win, and then a way to lock down the game if you get to it. So seems like he's doing a lot for just five CMC. Uh, I have uh, Venster the Sojourner in two other decks. Nice. It's a cla It's a great one. Yeah, and I really like it with that plus two effect, Tuck. Like you said, you know, being able to blink out those other creatures and still retain control of them. There's another card that does that that's eluding me. Um, that uh, Conjurer's Clause. Yeah, Conjurer's Clause. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and, and that's just, it's such a powerful thing because you would, you know, like we've talked about the drawback with Coffin Queen and Marik. Oh, once they become untapped or they leave play, the thing gets exiled or you lose control, gets destroyed, whatever the case is. This, it's like, well, I'm going to blink that thing and I'm still going to untap my stuff and I'm just going to keep your things. Exactly. And then, it, then it's like you you've almost have this like ultra like my Empress Galena deck where literally you're taking anything and everything you want, which is right. very, very fun. Yeah, blinking, not, not fun for your opponents. Blinking the Eldrazi might be uh, something that does the same thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Eldrazi uh, Displacer. Yeah, the, the Displacer. Yeah. Yes. All right. Sheldon, round out this episode. Take us home. What is the last card you're going to cut? And what's the thing that if you Wizards gave you a million dollars that you'd put in? Um, I'm going to take out Aether Gale. Uh, it, has, oh, okay. it has just it underperformed. It, it, seems, it seems right. You know, mm -hmm. for five mana, we're bouncing six non-land permanents. Um, 
But in practice, it just never has really... I mean, there's been a couple of times when it's been a game winner. But for the most part, it's just been kind of meh in my hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and I I think probably if it was an instant, even an instant for six, I think you you would probably feel different about it, but maybe it's the sorcery speed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could... I could replace it with uh, Cyclonic Rift that I'm not playing in this deck, but I'm playing in that in like 95,000 other ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're, and you're not a coward, so. So, so I don't want to do that. Um, but uh, it's not really that expensive. Let me look, let me look and see how expensive it actually is. I mean, it's not like I need to add to the price of this deck in the first place. <laughs> Twenty-four dollars. Um, oh. I'm I'm gonna put Holbreacher here. Oh, <gasps> you oh. monster! Well, I'm not. I I think Holbreacher is the kind of card that is very good for the format. Except, wow. Yeah. No. I, I believe that. I believe that slowing down people from doing really gross things is good for the format. Uh, the problem with Home Breacher, of course, is that wheels just, <laughs> you know, just basically end the game. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, you know, if I could, if I could get rid of, if I could blank every wheel out of existence, I wouldn't be sad. Uh, but, I think I think in a deck where you're not doing a bunch of wheeling, I think Hullbreaker is an eminently fair card. Mm, okay. Do you feel the same way about Opposition Agent? I do. Oh, I. You know what, Sheldon? I was on the fence earlier. I was like, ah, man, he's he's talking crap on my cards, and you know. Uh, but but now, because I, I I I'm along the same lines. I think Hullbreaker and Opposition Agent are both very fair cards when played the right way because all it does is slow down or stop the other overpowered decks or effects. Yeah. So I mean, um, if you're playing Consecrated Sphinx, you deserve to get home, Richard. <laughs> yep. Right? And that, comes from, that comes from somebody who loves Consecrated Sphinx, but um, I think you accept the risk. I think I think the, the tension in the format is more delicious when it's potentially bad for you to do broken things. Oh, yeah, I also like okay. the term delicious. Well, well put there. That was nice. Well, guys, uh, as we're going to whole breach this episode, thanks for making it until the end. And as promised, here's some details about the giveaway from our sponsor, Level One Game Shop. For Death and Taxes Month, uh, we are dishing out W9s to all of you. Uh, you now owe the government more money. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we're doing a Strixhaven bundle plus a CMD Tower playmat and sleeves. And to enter, it's very simple. Just promote the content we produce. You get an entry for every interaction that happens on social media and being part of our patron community. We will announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News on May the 4th Be With You Ooh. and social media soon after. And yes, these giveaways will happen every month. Just support level one so that way they can support you. But we would love a five-star review on whatever consumption platform you're watching or listening on, whether that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Uh, we would love uh, some nice comments on things that we can improve on, things that you liked. And if you'd like to reach out to us and find more ways to enter in the contest, here's how you can do that. 
You can reach me at Mr. Commodore 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where can they reach you? Uh, still lurking, still archived on my phone, at Big Tuck Tweeting. And you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. We also will have Sheldon's deck list posted to the website, cmdtower.com slash bnbe88. Basically, just type in copy enchantment, Microsynth Wellspring, Dragon Lord's prerogative, tower.com. Sheldon, shameless plug. Where can people find you? Where can they find content that you create or collaborate on out in the community? Uh, you can find me on the Commander RC Twitch stream every Thursday at 8 p.m. and every Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock Eastern. That's so we can be Euro-friendly Euro for our, our um, uh, chat fans over uh, in Europe. Uh, you can find me in the Commander RC Discord nearly every day of the week. Uh, if you go to the official website, that's mtgcommander.net, uh, there's a link to join. It's free. The other RC members and I are frequently in there, and sometimes I'll do like a an hour long come chat with me and you know unload on me all your problems kind of thing. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook by my name, and of course you can find me every Sunday on StarCityGames.com writing about the best format in the history of Magic. Nice. Squeamy Gee, if people want to get a hold of yourself, how would they do that? Oh, you know where to get me. It's uh, Dear Squee at cmdtower.com. It's a wonderful format, everybody. As, uh, as Sheldon mentioned, there is a particularly great format in Magic the Gathering. There's also a particularly great format in digital communication called email. Go ahead and get at me there. I'll get Email's back to dead. You. How many emails did you get today at work? Hey, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> that's not fair. He can do everything you need from an audio perspective. He does have a full studio. If you ever do come to the KC metro area, masks or vaccine required, trimmed toe hairs optional. Ugh. Let it out, hobbits. Let it I was out. Say, that's, a, that's a tall order. Uh, if you would, though, <laughs> like to help out our sponsor with the orders you're already doing, just head over to level1gameshop.com. When you place an order in the order notes, just type out CMD Tower so that they know that you came from The Collective. And of course, they do have a TCG store as well, so if that's your preferred uh, buying vehicle. But they are the ones that do the monthly giveaways, guys, so definitely go support them so that way they continue to support you and the community. If you would actually like to contribute financially to the cast, so that way we can improve equipment, improve the giveaways, get more swag to give away to you guys, uh, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. Four different tiers from just a dollar a month all the way up to 25. And even when you join the community, you get additional entries into the monthly giveaways. You get to join the Discord where we have a lot of our content creators that we've had on the channel actually in there as well. So you can always ask them a question or two uh, after we've come out with an episode. Uh, and as well as we have the referral program. So any of your friends or LGS gaming partners that you get to uh, join the collective uh, we'll send you some free swag could be a signed card could be some uh, sleeves uh, all of it is posted in the discord of course if you can't do a monthly contribution but you still want to get that cool playmat you maybe saw on mr bever's twitch stream or mtg lexicon uh, head over to cmdtower.com slash merch. We do sell everything we have on there. Uh, once again, please buy it because if you don't, I will one day be homeless and you will see me with a CMD Tower playmat blanket <coughs> homeless on the streets selling card sleeves for McDonald's. 
in the box that the, all the playmats came in. Correct. Uh, and of course, thank you again to Pink Royal for the music provided at the beginning and the end of the episode. And T Coats, Tyler, hit him up at T Coats on Twitter. He's our video editor, does a great job. Uh, definitely go show him some love. And of course, if you need him to help out with a project, uh, he's there. Go go uh, go work with him, collaborate. So, Sheldon, we uh, have done now part two of the Sheldon Mentory Presents series with Mariki, the repo specialist. Um, how do you feel this conversation went? Did you get maybe some fresh ideas? Uh, does maybe talking about the deck with how many you have make you excited to play her in the near future? Yeah, a couple of those ideas, like maybe reintroducing Coffin Queen, um, the um, Coral Helm thing, uh, those, are, those are solid. And I might just be playing in that on the stream sometime soon. Nice. Can't wait to see it. Tuck, how do you feel? It was fun. This was this is a fun deck. You know, it was good to see some of these older cards still still make rounds. And obviously, Sheldon, it's always been a pleasure speaking with you, man. So thanks again for taking the time. Yep, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was absolutely fun. Uh, no, it's a little bit longer of an episode, but guys, you know, whenever we have a guest on, it usually goes a little bit longer because there's a lot more dialogue. Because let's be honest, when it's just me and Tuck, we 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 barely are functioning friends. Uh, we prefer not to talk to each other uh, and do it as little as possible. Highly illiterate. So, Both of us have fun are functionally illiterate, so that doesn't help either. Uh, but no, this deck was very exciting, uh, and of course, Sheldon, thank you for the the partnership, and of course, thank you for helping. Keep a format alive that has sucked away most of my bank account, but has contributed to thousands of hours of fun that I wouldn't take back for a second. So, of course, guys, we'll leave you with this last thing. Hashtag unbanned paradox engine. Bye. (laughs) 